Okay, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie. Midweek movie music. That's where my man Patrick takes songs from a soundtrack, plays them for us. And based on the uh, song selections, we're supposed to get the hints and clues as to what movie inspired midweek movie music. And I know the song very well. And you know the scene. You know the scene that this song is in because we have talked about this scene on these airwaves. Wow. Oh, man. That is. And I feel like. Because I'm thinking of DMX. I'm thinking of. Oh, was yeah. Aaliyah in the movie? No. Oh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Listen, you about... listen to those first two songs, and you know this is a movie about white kids. But we've talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why the Aaliyah thing actually kind of threw me, it's it throwing me off. off. I'm going to give you two words. It is. I'm going to give you two words here for the hint here. Oh. Whipped cream. Oh, Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues. There you go. Yeah. Varsity Blues came yeah. out. Came out, okay. what, 13 to 20 years ago? Something okay. like that this week? Yeah. So wow, wait. good job. They were playing Aaliyah in this? When I she walks out in the whipped cream bikini. Mm. Oh, no way. I wasn't even listening to the music. <laughs> I wasn't listening to the music. You were listening to that with the phone I, down. I, yeah, I did not. I, it's the first time I found out that this song was playing during that scene is when you just said it. <laughs> That's I what swear I said, too. Not, I did not I know that. I had no clue. But you were like, oh, this song will bring you back to the scene. It did not. I, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I guess it's when I saw what what what. The year you said it came out? Uh, 99, I think. Okay, well, I was a, yeah, I was a senior Something in high school. Like yeah. Oh, yes, I definitely wasn't paying attention to the song at that time. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it, it, that inspired a whole generation of dudes yeah. to experiment with whipped cream. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to tell you, it just died. It doesn't stay the way it did in the movie. Well, like we that. know that we know that you're not going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'm like, that <laughs> we what know you're saying? not hanging yeah. out with the whipped cream no, anyway. Like, she came out with whipped cream. I've been like, nah, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. Uh, but it's a good. It, it looks good it's aesthetically. <laughs> I get. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Good job, Varsity Blues. I like all it. All right, uh, good, one of one of the good football movies out there coming up. I like that. All right, so we'll get to more midweek movie music uh, via the Varsity Blues soundtrack. I wonder what that soundtrack is. That the best song on the soundtrack? I mean, that's the best song for y'all. I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of good stuff. Like, on it. Exactly. It's a, it's a lot of angry young white people. Yeah, music. I was gonna say that, that, that seems like that was. Cause I'm, I'm trying to think about what music uh, is associated with great scenes in the movie, and I don't associate any great scenes with great music in the movies. They have some great scenes, right. but I don't associate it with music, really. So, Interesting. All right, my man Patrick, once again, the idealionaire hooking it up. Uh, all right, let's talk uh, some Texas TCU here. And uh, wasn't hello was some wasn't that scene in one of those scenes in Varsity Blues filmed in Austin? Oh, a lot of it. The entire yeah. movie was filmed here. The whole thing? Yeah, Georgetown, South Austin. Don't they go to the landing strip? The landing strip was yeah. one of it. Yeah. yeah, I think I just thought about that randomly. Um, all right, randomly. Let's guess. Just, we'll have more random conversation about Varsity Blues, I'm sure. But yep. let's get to uh, Texas basketball, gentlemen. They got a big game tonight coming up versus TCU. Uh, good news is we won't be prematurely interrupted by it. Uh, it's actually a little bit of a, a late tip off, yep. but of course you got my man Craig Way, Eddie Ron on the call. So uh, you want to stick around? You want to hear it right here on 104.9 The Horn? Uh, we'll have that for you later on. But getting to uh, the Texas TCU matchup tonight, uh, one of the things that I think is, I guess, concerning going into this matchup, and I guess hell, you play in the Big Twelve, um, so every every Big Twelve matchup can consider to be concerning because uh, even TCU is thirteen and two. Yep. They got the same record as you do, uh, but they also have a bit of a three-headed monster uh, offensively. 
that I think could be a problem for uh, for Texas. They got uh, Damian Boggs, the senior guard, uh, the forward, Emmanuel Miller, uh, and Mike Miles, who you talked about earlier in yeah. the show, Harge, who's also a fantastic, dynamic guard for them. Those three guys in and, and Texas defense showed up big time against Oklahoma State. Um, so what we saw versus K-State, hopefully that's just an outlier. Um, but but that's, uh, that's a tough group to, to be able to corral and neutralize. Um, and I think that's a big reason why TCU is 13-2 and right now. Yeah, and you think about the fact, too, O'Bannon has been around for a long time. He's a redshirt sophomore. I mean, a redshirt senior. His dad played at um, UCLA, been around, knows all about it. His dad is the reason why we got able to to uh, get players paid because of the O'Bannon case. He was part of that case when they were trying to figure out that O'Bannon. That O'Bannon. Wow. Yeah. So then you start thinking about this too. Jamie Dixon is a damn good basketball coach. He's been around for a long time. He understands the Big 12. What is he, 458 and 209? I mean, he coaches well. So don't, don't look at this team and think, all right, we're going to be able to go out there and be a little bit more physical. No, this is a team that you're going to have to come out and play the entire game against them because there's a lot of fight in them. And if you look at some of their games, they come down all the way down to the wire. Because yeah, they're a the defensive-oriented team. That's right. They don't, their offense actually is that part of, I think, it's one of the worst offenses in the Big 12 offensively. Yeah, they have a few guys that can shoot a three okay. Yeah. So you're going to have to watch that out because they get, they're 30, 35% three-point shooters, which is not great, but it's good enough to kill you if you leave them open. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to be careful of that because, of course, we saw that against uh, uh, K-State where they just – when the guys got open, they were hitting everything. So you have to worry about that. But, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be closer to the Oklahoma State game of a defensive, which a lot of Big 12 is going to be, where it's like, hey, man, we're going to be able to kind of play with them defensively and go get them into a – you know, not let them kill us. Yeah. But we are going to have to make sure we are, our offense looks a lot better than it did on Saturday. Uh, I'm with you on that. I mean, that's and for Texas, much like TCU, that's what keeps them in every game. Yeah. Yeah. their defense. Yep. Um, and Texas showed versus Oklahoma State that you know once they bring that defensive intensity, um, all they need is their playmakers to make clutch plays yep. down the stretch in clutch time. And honestly, that's going to be a lot of the Big 12 period. It's just your defense keeping you in it, and then Marcus Carr – uh, who lately he's been that guy for him. Uh, Marcus Carr's been fantastic this season, yep. um, especially uh, from three point range. Still averaging forty five percent, which I cannot believe. And that's not like a, I mean, <laughs> well, no, yeah. and, and not an insult to him. That's, no, that's I know an, exactly that's what you're saying. That's astonishingly high number. Staying, staying on that that level right there. Forty five percent from three point range. Um, that's a big reason why you got the points boost for him. He's been a much more efficient player, and he's sharing the basketball better too. Actually, his, his assists have gone up, and turnovers have is pretty much leveled out. From he's actually uh, you know averaging fewer turnovers per game this season than he did last year. So really, that transition of less burden on him to be the main ball handler and try to be you know the the the, the main scorer uh, at at times as well. Um, he doesn't have that burden anymore, um, nope. and it's really brought out. It's really it, it helped him blossom. As a player, the one of the things that we're going to have to watch too is the bench scoring for both teams. We know that Sir Jabari Rice is the main key. Him and Bishop coming off. Is Bishop going to start tonight? Is he back in ready to go? We I mean, don't he know. hasn't been starting. No, but I'm saying, like, is he going to be a major contributor for Texas tonight? You know, he's going to mm-hmm. have to be a, a bigger factor in this game yeah. because of what you talked about the physicality of it, the defense that's going to have to be involved in it. And that is something that Texas had to do last week when they beat Oklahoma State. Like you said, 
this is a they were coming off an 11 game win streak when they lost to Iowa State this past weekend, mm-hmm. and that was a 69 to 67 game. Yeah, so they're ready to come back and, and get after it. That's the biggest thing for me. What are we going to see from both of these teams? Big win on the road for Texas. Got to come home and show that you can back that up again. I think Rodney Terry has these guys ready. I just know this. I don't know what the over-under is. I'm about to check that out. But whatever it is, I think I would stay underneath the number. Mm, yeah, just with the both teams having a defensive identity. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. And it, uh, TCU doesn't shoot great from three-point range. I think they're around 30% as a team from three-point range. Yeah, they have a few guys that can shoot, but a lot of guys who don't shoot That well. could be – if Texas – and they saying Texas has got to be hot from three-point range, but they right. can just be somewhat uh, efficient from three-point range – and TCU just does what they do and shooting 30%, um, that can be something that separates sex from TCU in this game, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, this is a, you know, we saw this problem many times last year. It was a problem at Oklahoma State. It's getting your bigs to stay out of foul trouble as well uh, because that, like, having your bigs actually helps this offense a little bit more to have, you know, someone that can actually bump up with someone on the offensive end in the paint and wear down their guy, maybe mess up his mm-hmm. rim protection because he's not playing so far off and, you know, you don't let him get into small ball where they can really kill you. So I think that's a big, as you know, we had a lot of guys in foul trouble at Oklahoma State. Yeah, and that was the other thing that I was talking about, make sure that they don't get in foul trouble. That's why I'm talking about the depth. Texas's yeah. bench is going to have to play okay. a bigger role in these games. The other part of it is, wasn't Lampkin the one that was giving Texas a hard time last year? Yeah. Wasn't he the big man that we kept looking at him like, He's young. He was young. He was a freshman, I believe, true freshman last year. I yeah, believe. Lampkin was playing good, and he played well in the tournament, too. And yeah. he just hasn't – I know he has some issues. I believe they're knee issues, but I, he has – he's had some injury issues already. But, yeah, he can play really well in that post. And, again, you can't get in foul trouble if Lampkin's going to be down there beating on you. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, man, I remember watching that big dude – go to work against Texas because, remember, same conversation that we've had before, Texas didn't have the rim protector. Mm -hmm. There was nobody in there stopping the big man from going to work in there. And that's something which, going back to Patrick's point, that's probably why there were so many fouls for them last week. They were trying to not let people get to to the 10. And that's how they got in foul trouble. Yeah, uh, it's been a big issue uh, for the Longhorns in terms of that rim protection. Hopefully that's something uh, that they can uh, figure out a way to rectify um, as they go through the Big 12. One of the things that concerns me a little bit, too, is we talked about one of the big advantages for Texas going into the season was the fact you had three guards you Mm -hmm. really could depend on. You had Marcus Carr, you had Sergio Barry Rice, and then you had Tyrese Hunter. And Tyrese Hunter has been inconsistent for mm-hmm. you. If you when you get th- that three headed monster and all three of those guys are playing really well, Texas hard to beat. Unfortunately, in the K State game, they played all three played really well, but you didn't play enough defense as a team right. to win a game. But but it showed you offensively how prolific you could be when those three guys are clicking. And Marcus Carr, man, he's he's just been great all year long, playing at a really high level. And I think for the most part, Jabari Rice has been consistent too. Tyrese Hunter has been the one that's been inconsistent. Um, and even versus Oklahoma State, what was he, one of eight? I think he had more yeah, yeah. turnovers yeah. than he had assists. Um, what And you get a chance to see it, Patrick, go close and personal. What what can be done to make him more consistent? Is it just him more him getting more comfortable in his role? What is yeah, it? and I mean, I think it's just, you know, he's going to have problems. He is only a sophomore. Yeah, he's young. Okay. So there is parts of it of just kind of learning the game, and once guys play you different ways, you – it just takes time to get used to it. I think he does play better at home than he plays on the road right now as well. Young guys. 
young, young guy as well. It's just yeah. comfortable. Yep. And so, yeah, I, I think he'll play better tonight than he did uh, at Oklahoma State. But, yeah, this is a problem of I'm happy that they're trusting him and leaving him out there more because that is something that will kill you a lot is that you miss a few shots and they pull you right out of the game and then your confidence goes down even further. Uh, so I, I think he'll get his shots back. But, yeah, I think he needs to learn how to move without the ball a little bit more when he starts to struggle, like and that. that'll help the rest of his game. Because if you're staying stationary, you're not getting open shots. Like, you have to work for your shots, which is just a harder shot anyway. But if you start moving around a lot more while Marcus Carr is trying to do something, and then you can pull off, and now they have to really have two guys working hard to guard you and Marcus Carr, yeah. it becomes a lot easier for you to get a couple easier shots up and once you get that confidence rolling, everything becomes a lot easier. Like you said earlier with Marcus Carr, we see his confidence of where his assist rate's going up and his turn rate's going down. Is If you're scoring the ball, the defenses have to come to you. Yeah. They can't wait for you to come to them. They can't let you just do or else you'll score every possession. So when they're starting to do that, Makes lanes start to open up. Yeah. And if you're comfortable and you're confident, that's where you feel you can make those passes in between, hit a big man when, it, when the help defense comes over. And he started doing that, and then that game where he had 33 in the first half, you just watched him tear them apart by passing the ball in the second half because they kept running at him and trying to double-team and cover and help out. Mm -hmm. And every time they did, he found the open guy, and he went, oh, that's how you win That's how you win in the tournament. Yeah, we got is by scoring, yeah. and then when they come over and try and help you, go, oh, now I'm going to make everybody else score. Yeah, that's what a great point guard can do. To your point, uh, Hunter is averaging five points per game on the road, averaging uh, nearly 14 points per game at home. This season. Yeah, we big saw him difference. get cooked. Yeah. Well, that big, big twenty-nine difference. point game kind of helped him that out when he got that. Yeah, bit. that That's skewed the yeah, numbers a little yeah, bit. But true. I'm a, you know, he was Big Twelve freshman of the year, and he was playing in in Iowa State, and he's from Rancine. So he's right there where from Rancine, Wisconsin. Okay. So he was right up in the Midwest. Him coming to Texas, kind of a different atmosphere, different types of players. But I'm I'm with y'all to the extent that he does have to play a little bit better. And he doesn't even have to be that great. He just no. needs to be consistent. Consistent. You know, baseline. Just be, yeah, yeah, just be consistent, especially in those times of need. You've, you've, you've earned the right to be out there. You've earned the right to be the freshman of the year and being the top freshman in Division One basketball. You've done all these different things. Just go out there and hoop, man. Mm -hmm. When you're just out there being natural, just go hoop and play the games that, that brought you to the university. Yep. So you can go out there and just be natural. Yeah, and I mean, I think, too, there is always a growing pain that he is a sophomore. But he's last year he was a ball-dominant player. He is now Marcus Carr is a more ball-dominant yeah, player. Yeah. And so that point. is where you have to learn that role. And that's to say you have to move more without the basketball because the more you get open – the more time you'll have the ball in your hand, you can create. Yep. And if someone's running at you, it's just way easier to create something when the guy's not on his standing on his defensive position. Where if you cut the ball four feet behind the three-point line, you mm -hmm. have to then create everything from scratch. Yep. And if people are ball watching you, yeah. no one's helping you create anything. It just becomes a lot harder. And that's but it's a hard thing to learn when you are not when you're used to being the ball dominant guy. And when you're a guy as good as Tyrese Hunter, I'm guessing he's been ball dominant since he was about eight. <laughs> so right. so it's just a hard thing to learn in one year. Uh, I know Rodney Terry is starting to play the starters a bit more than he plays the bench, which was Chris Beard had a firmer rotation. I think Rodney Terry is starting to play the starters a little bit more. And so with that, that means he's playing less with Marcus Carr on the bench mm. and being the guy where he could start going and feel his own, and then they could play well together in the fourth at the, at the yeah, end of the game. That could help yeah. too. Uh, so if you're going to have to do that, it's just like just learning, and so it's just going to take a little bit of time. But you have to work towards that goal, 
and not just get frustrated because you're not the guy with the ball and go, well, next season I'll be the guy with the ball. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I'm with you on that. That's a good point. Real good point. Uh, all right. Uh, moving on just for a little bit. We'll, we'll get back to Texas basketball. I promise we'll talk about it in the top of the 6 o'clock and preview the Texas TCU game a little bit more. But want to uh, get to Texas football because there's a story that I want to get you guys' thoughts on. So we know Brendan Marion moving on to UNLV uh, from mm-hmm. the wide receiving coach position as, as well as the passing game coordinator at Texas. And uh, now there is a vacancy at the wide receiving coaching position. Position. Um, and it looks like uh, the Longhorns have contacted, at least based on my man C.J. Vogel, give him credit, uh, the football brainiacs. Uh, he put put out a report uh, recently, uh, I believe yesterday, that Holman Wiggins, the Alabama wide receiving coach, has been contacted. There have been preliminary discussions, I believe was the term that was used this week regarding the wide receiving coach vacancy at the University of Texas. Remember, Sark worked with Holman Wiggins at Alabama. Actually, I think it was Holman Wiggins' first two years at Alabama. He got a chance to work with Sark and uh, we know how that turned out in 2019 and 2020 is one of the most prolific offenses in the history of college football. And since then, Bama at one point was considered to be wide receiver U, just uh, churning out wide receivers at a ridiculous rate, at a kind of factory-like rate. Um, they had a drop-off this year, but I think they'll get right back to it um, next season. Uh, what are your thoughts about potentially bringing in Holman Wiggins, Harge? I mean, <sighs> What is his connection to Texas? You know what I'm saying? Like, so there are some guys um, that I've question. been looking out there. Like, Emmett Jones was a guy that used to coach in, in in the state of Texas. He just got picked up by Oklahoma. I saw he that. was at Texas Tech, and now he's at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you need to try to bring in more guys that are have a state of Texas connection. Not not necessarily just for that reason. But also they have to be able to recruit. I saw Rashard Sample's name that was out there for a little bit that's been moving around a little bit. Yeah, maybe he can come back to the state of Texas. His dad was the coach at Duncanville that just won the the state championship. So he's got a bunch of connections there. But for me, looking at this um, Holman Wiggins, I I understand the, the knowing him and being around him. But we thought that Brendan Marion was going to be the guy as well. And and something in between there, the the discipline that the wide receivers have where they're catching the ball and not and, you know not dropping passes, it kind of fell off. So are we going to go back to that? I don't know if he's going to be the answer. I'm not against it because mm-hmm. of where he came from. You know, you're dealing with Alabama, but are you trying to bring all of Alabama? It goes back to what Patrick was talking about with uh, the Houston Texans. Are you trying to be Bill Belichick? Because you can't do that. Mm. You can't bring get some other voices that are in there that are trying to create their own way as well. So I don't know if that'll be the right answer. I'm not a hundred percent against it, but I would much rather have some people that have some Texas ties to mm-hmm. him. My man is from California. Mm-hmm. He's from LA, yeah. which. Where's Sark from? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> and about the that. familiarity, that's why um, Sark is feeling that way, probably. So you want added value. I with want that. added value. You want not only a guy that develops talent, but also a guy that can give you Texas ties and yes. recruiting, stuff like that. Nope, that's, uh, yep. that's, that's, honestly, that's valid. Makes sense to me. Um, so I'm not opposed to Holman Wiggins either. Emmett Jones, I just saw, yeah, I'm with you, that I think he was a top candidate too, and now he's going to take the Oklahoma wide receiving coaching yep. job. Yep. Um, I wouldn't mind Rashad Samples coming back. I'm sure you can maybe look to the NFL. Um, you yep. can go find a guy in the league, a uh, longtime veteran in the league potentially, and maybe that guy could have some Texas ties too if you want that. My biggest <clears throat> concern right now at wide receiver, 
I do want um, I do want someone that can develop the talent in the room. I think right, right. last year I, just, I love me some Brendan Marion. I'm a big fan of Brendan Marion. Big time. But you could argue that uh, you know most of those guys, the top tier guys at wide receiver in that room, regressed last year. Jordan Whittington did not, but. There's a a case to be made for Casey Kane, for Xavier, certainly for Xavier Worthy, um, and then the fact that you could not even develop a third wide receiver among that group, that was a concern. So I do think because Sark works closely with the wide receivers, so you don't really need someone to translate the offense as much because he works really closely with the wide receivers from what I hear yep. and helping kind of translate his offense and what he wants from them and from the, the route tree, the timing, the execution. You really need somebody there about the fundamentals because Xavier Worthy, as talented as he was, he had trouble getting off a jam. Yep. He had trouble playing through contact at times. Um, and I think that's something that's got to improve. And, of course, the hands, the hands, right. the hands. All right, the drops with him. Um, and I think for for him, he's kind of a microcosm of a lot of the guys in that room that for various reasons either could not uh, take their game to the next level and that's why you couldn't have a third, you couldn't have a third wide receiver um, and, and that all that time. And I think JT Sanders ended up filling that role. Um, but also, you know, a guy like Casey Kane or even some of those younger prospects, I was surprised we didn't see more of them. I guess we saw some Savion Red later on, mm-hmm. but I was surprised that we didn't see more of those young wide receivers take a step. I want somebody that's been, has a proven track record to develop talent. Yeah. Because you're bringing in tons of wide receiver talent. Right. Great talent. Right. Hell, we thought the room was loaded with talent this past year. Xavier Worthy and Jay Wade. You had a Jaya Hall in there. I don't know. Yeah. Couldn't yeah, work that yeah, out yeah, with him, whatever yeah. was going on. Yeah. Um, but there was a belief that you did have some talent in that room. And Jay Witt was healthy the entire year. And yet, I think for the most part, I don't think, I know, the room, the room underachieved. For sure. Brendan Marion's got some of that on him, too. And I love me some Brendan Marion. You guys right. know that. Yeah. Uh, but I'll recognize, yeah, um, I thought you would get better talent development this year. Um, that's got to be a priority because if you if you don't get that development in that room and that progression, the regression of the passing game could get even worse. Yeah, no than doubt. Got last year, no doubt. And, and you know, I, for all the texters that have been hitting us up, and I appreciate you hitting us up five one two three three seven three seven seven six. I'm looking at it, and everybody's talking about he can recruit and he's bringing in different people. Well, I'm looking at the 22 recruiters, the top. 15, he's not on that when that recruiting class. He didn't bring in the top 22 class. Now, in 23, he brought in, he's in the top, um, yeah, he's ranked number ninth. He's got six recruits to Alabama for the 2023 season. I get it. I understand. But again, I think I can recruit to Alabama. You know what I'm saying? I think I can recruit to Georgia, you know, because of the, the lineage. That's what it makes mm-hmm. it a little bit different. So here, what you've been talking about, Rod, and, and uh, Brennan Marion was one of the top recruiters as well. He was. He got him in, got but him I in. need to see what happens. Yeah. It's like you in. said, and the development year. part. There's only yeah. one year with him, yeah. so I'll, I'll be fair oh, with I that. I ain't hating on him. I'm um, just saying. Yeah, and, and, I, and none of the recruits, after hearing about Brennan Marion, I haven't heard any of them disgruntled yeah. uh, about the change. I think everybody's just anxious to see what Sark does. Um, but I need somebody to develop that room. Yep. I got you got Jonte Cook coming in. You got, I mean, you got some top notch talent coming in via wide receiver. You still got some in that room right now. Jay Witt's coming back with X Man, who yep. prior to last season was considered a top five wide receiver in the country. I don't people don't probably have changed their mind about that. If you can get those guys to play at an extremely high level consistently, man, you can make Quinn Ewers' life so much easier. Yeah. 
If he catches some of those. Catches half of them. I know. You ain't even got to catch them all. Catch half of them. Yeah. That's what that, exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think that, you know, whoever they bring in, I think Sark needs to prioritize, hey, man, I, you, you're right. You got to get – that just goes without saying. You need somebody that can recruit. But you need somebody that can yeah. develop the talent in yep. that room that's a known talent developer. If you don't get that, you, you could have those guys either repeat their performance last year or get worse. And if that happens, Quinn Ewers going to get worse. No if doubt. If that happens, that offense – it's going to go to a downward spiral because you ain't got Bijan to rescue. Because you can't put no Bijan on it. You can't rescue. He ain't coming through that dough. Cannot so do it. You better make sure you get it right. All right, what you got from, coming up for the people on Harsh Knock Life? I'm going to give a shout-out to a local uh, hero, uh, Austin native, and uh, but his daughter has made a name for herself, so I'm going to give a shout-out to them. But nice. I'm also going to tell you about my time because four years ago today, um, or yesterday, I had my surgery. So we'll talk about that as well. Ooh, life lessons coming there it up. Is. Hard Knock Life coming up on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie, 1049 The Horn. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. Mike, you have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folks, but in front of your own speak my mind. He has emotional anger issue problem. Hey, are you Dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael, welcome back to a midweek movie music themed edition of Ball Don't Lie. Patrick Davis just let us know that it was Varsity Blues, and some of you did get that on the Specs text line. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Hardball Hard. You can follow my man Rob Babers at Rob Babers, and you can follow my man Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis. And as we said before, we love it when you're on the Specs text line five one two. Three three seven three seven seven six, and you know I wanted to give a shout out real quick before we get into this other discussion. We had earlier this 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 season, uh, one lifetime Longhorn Chris Clack on with us, and we talked about him being you know a high school All American, all the great things that he did, a McDonald's high school All American. Well, the news came out today that his daughter Jade was also a nominee to be a McDonald's All-American as well. Man. And them jeans are strong. Yes, they them, are. Them jeans are strong. Real, man. It's in the DNA. And, and, and our man Snoop, we do the flex all the time, and we talk a lot of uh, local sports, and it's definitely something that Snoop has been paying attention to. Obviously, the news is paying attention to it. As a matter of fact, they're going to do a story on her tonight on KXAN. Nice. I'm sure Roger Wallace is going to be taking care of that. But um, when you start looking at the University of Texas and what we've been talking about, we had Lifetime Longhorn, legendary Lifetime Longhorn, Derek Johnson on earlier and congratulations to him again. Make sure you check it out. He was on at 3.30. We'll make sure and get that up for, for, for those that missed it. But this community is so nice, man. You know what I'm saying? As far as the mm-hmm. Longhorn family, and I'm sure other universities, they have the same type of uh, movement. But when you live in this area and you get a chance to see some of the local players and their kids grow up and, and get those opportunities to exceed – that's that's outstanding. Yep. That's outstanding, but it's rare as well because sometimes the kids aren't interested in the same things that you're interested in. It happens more often than not. People always give me a hard time talking about why didn't your kids decide that they wanted to play baseball? And it was like, <laughs> well, I let them make their own decisions. Exactly. And sometimes it's good for them to not do it because they push, we push, we push, we push. You know, but we then do. sometimes they don't want the coaching. 
Well, now you get to see. This young lady has put in a lot of hard work. She's going to be going to TCU. Still mad at you, Chris, about that. Uh, she's, but she had Making to make her own decisions. path. That's right. <laughs> she had decisions. to make her own decision. <laughs> and I couldn't be prouder of them and the growth that she's made. And for her to be nominated for the McDonald's All-American game, that's a huge, huge story. Um, another huge story I want to continue to go with is tomorrow – I will be part of the BAM Foundation. Shout out. We're going to do uh, bats and badges where we go to the community and get to hang out with some of the kids at Eastside Memorial tomorrow morning. Mm. And that's my way of giving back to this community, talking a little bit about baseball, getting a chance to hang out with the cops as well to try to bridge some gaps in the communities that a lot of people uh, are still having that tough time with oh, man, you know and what? giving those stories. You know, I want to go over there and share my story because mm-hmm. not only was my uncle the Travis County Sheriff, I also, when I was growing up, and I'll tell you the story all the time, Rod, where the coach came over to me and he said, man, I'm sorry I didn't pick you up. I'll make sure that uh, we get you next year. And I was like, nah, you don't have to worry about that because I'm going to be picking guys up off of your team exactly. because I'm going to deliver the, the – I'm, I'm bringing the wood, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm right. Well, the, the ironic thing about it is he was one of my mentors the entire time, and he too was a highway patrolman. So mm-hmm. I've been around police officers all my life, mm-hmm. and they've always had – uh, a good standing with me, and I just want to go back and give some of that back to the community. So tomorrow I'll be at Eastside Memorial in the morning helping these kids out and actually getting one of those situations to where it's like, all right, now I get a chance to talk about the policemen, how mm-hmm. they were good to me, and how they could be good in the community as well because we know how That's that great. story goes I love as of right now. So, and last but not least, I know I've talked about this before, Uh, But I think it was appropriate. I didn't bring it up yesterday. A lot going on. We had so many different things that were happening. But um, yesterday marked four years since my project, my prostate cancer surgery. Um, It was a bittersweet. It was a bittersweet situation because when you get that news that you have prostate cancer and there's so many different options, and I was fortunate enough it didn't spread anywhere in my body and the best action we could have taken, and we've had my doctor, Dr. Mystery, on here as well to talk about it. But when that news came down, that is when I told everybody, you need to go get checked. You need mm-hmm. to go get checked. You need to go get checked, especially yeah. with me working in the healthcare field. I'm around it a lot. And so I get an opportunity to listen to physicians, uh, hear their stories, hear other people's stories. But I will always remember that mm-hmm. day when I went in for that surgery. My mom came in town. She was looking at me all crazy. I was on, they, you know, they got to <laughs> drug me up a little bit. And I kept telling the doctor, I was like, hey, man, don't let them ask me any questions while I'm under the influence of this stuff. <laughs> don't let my wife Don't let her ask any questions. And we still laugh to this day hey, about smart. that. You're smart, man. You start talking about babbling yeah, out I'm about like, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what did he say? What did he say? <laughs> but, <sighs> but I do want to continue to be the person that can give that message because mm-hmm. I have life experiences um, my man Ty Harrington, who y'all hear on here every mm-hmm. once in a while, um, he went through his battle with colon cancer. He was somebody that I leaned on throughout my time. And I just want to encourage all men and women 
to go get yourselves checked right. out. It's always time. It's the beginning of the year. I know everybody's trying to have these New Year's resolution, New Year, New Me. No, ain't none of that. New Year, go see your doctor. Make sure you make the time. I know it's mm-hmm. tough, and I know a lot of people don't like to do it, but that would be what I would recommend to everyone. And lastly, tomorrow is going to be a tough day around the 40 acres. They will be recognizing Coach Cliff Gustafson's celebration of life at UFCU Dishfalk Field tomorrow at 3 o'clock. The doors open at 2.30. Make sure you go to uh, texassports.com, click on their RSVP, and let them know if you're coming or not because you know it is going to be a packed house tomorrow. And we'll forgive you. We'll forgive you for not listening to our show at 3 <laughs> o'clock tomorrow if you're over there uh, giving homage to Coach Cliff Gustafson. That's right. Thank you. No, man, great message. I'm all, I, I always uh, like when you give the message that, hey, go see your damn doctor. Go see him. Men always men oh. hate awkward conversations. I've always said this. Men are, men are cowards in a lot of ways uh, just because we hate awkward conversations, either with our kids, uh, with our significant others. Oh, for sure. That's why when women want to talk, we don't want to talk. Women like, we, we hate those, those four dreaded words. We need to talk. Yes. Men don't ever think you need to talk. <laughs> It's always a bad thing. No, I never want to talk. And that's why you need to talk to your doctor. You need to go have that awkward conversation with your doctor about what's going on with your body. So I'm glad you're always uh, preaching that good message, man. It's man. something men need to hear more often because men are stubborn. We about all that we kind got, of stuff. man. Yeah, men don't even want to get into that kind of stuff. So uh, go have that awkward conversation with your doctor. Trust me and trust my man Harj on that one. You, uh, you'll be grateful for it. You will definitely be grateful because be the best thing you can have happen is get it early. Yeah, man. I, early yeah, detection exactly. is the most important yeah. thing because everything else can be treated after that. It's the when you get it late in the conversation. Make sure you get out there and get some help. Yeah, an awkward conversation is better than a tragic conversation. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Have the awkward conversation. Yep. And avoid the tragic one. No doubt. Um, all right. Great, great stuff there from Harge at Harge Knock Life. Uh, we'll come back. We got off the record on the other side. A uh, ton of different stories. So more of a smorgasbord of off the record stuff. We'll get into that right here on Ball Don't Lie on one hundred four nine The Horn. DD Mega Doo I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a brain bag comb. Congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Um, Apparently, and I saw this actually randomly uh, come across my timeline a couple of times. There's a uh, scandal happening with the uh, Tennessee, a a small Tennessee police (laughs) unit. Um, uh, This is uh, being reported by WTVF. Now, these are some strange allegations of misconduct on the job. And away from the job, actually. So a small Tennessee police station has been rocked by allegations of wild sexual misconduct after a married female officer allegedly had steamy rumps with six male officers um, at the police station there. Mm-hmm. Uh, officer Megan Hall and her fellow law officers allegedly engaged in wild sexcapades that included sending dirty pictures. All right. So sexting with each other, taking her top off at a girls gone wild hot tub party. 
He's oh, no, girls going wild. What year is it? <laughs> uh, I thought he, that dude went to jail. <laughs> he did actually. He did. <laughs> the guy did go to jail. Uh, but anyway, but uh, getting back to it, apparently they were doing all types of stuff. All right, having all types of uh, wild sex parties, um, and the uh, the steamy shenanigans uh, in which Hall allegedly bragged about different uh, sexual uh, ec- liaisons, I should say, with different officers. So basically, all these officers allegedly knew that they were all in this inappropriate uh, relationship with this woman. Mm-hmm. So they they weren't hiding all this. This was this was all open. This is open information. Everybody knew this. Nobody had any discretion at all. Um, and apparently it went so far as to one of the officers um, claimed to have been in an open marriage or she claimed to have been in an open marriage. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, and well, that was her, her, her mate, her partner said that was a lie. Right. She was not in an open marriage. She just made that up. Uh, but there was also allegations that one of the officers and Megan Hall, um, the lady involved here, had a threesome with him and his wife. Yeah, another mm-hmm. one. Yeah, mm-hmm. had, they, he, so there was. It went far past the pol- within the the network of the police station. Apparently, one of the officers convinced his wife to have a threesome with this female officer. Things got. That's when it got really wild and crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So threesome with uh, his name is Maglioku and his wife. Uh, that was one of the the claims there. Uh, so uh, a lot of these officers ended up being uh, suspended and ended up being uh, fired. fired as yeah. a result of these allegations of sexual misconduct. I think they had o- uh, overall, I think it was six firings and or suspensions overall, including the Megan Hall, the female officer. Wow. Right there. Yeah. Mm, that was wild. Mm, mm, mm. That I mean, it, were they bored at work? That must be. Must not have been enough crime going on says, around there. <laughs> some of this stuff was happening on the job, like on the job, yep. like having some of these uh, sexcapades on the job with multiple officers. So, uh, yeah, I guess they were they were bored. I feel bad for her, her man. No, for sure. Like he, he everybody yeah. knew except for him. He yeah. wasn't, but he didn't work at the same job. He works. Uh, he works in the security field. I think he's a he's a state like a state ranger, like a park ranger. <laughs> he is. He's a state park ranger. You, you know who you married. Yes. You know who you married. This didn't she, just happen. Like when she's at home, she's just she's like, well, we're we gonna read a book together tonight, or yeah. What do you want to, she's taking her top off at a girl's. First of all, she's at a girls gone wild hot tub party. Well, he's probably at the at the park. He was. He, no, yeah, no, I can't, I'm just saying. Around. I'm saying if you know if your if your wife is a type of person that would enjoy going to, you know the type of person you're married to. I would like to think so. This would, yeah. This, would, I mean, this would just blow your world up here if you're. I mean, if you if you were blindsided by it, yeah. you're right. You probably shouldn't be blindsided by it, but I guess it would if she's having sexual relations with. Five now, or six that, different that's officers. That one where, that's that one when you start to hear it, you're like, you're like, yeah, I know. Look, I know she can get a little wild. You're like, a little. A little wild. A little wild. I know. She used to be crazy. Used oh, to be. You, Think about this guy, like the Christmas parties, man. Everybody was just laughing at yeah, him. He had no idea what sipping, the joke was about. Sipping. The joke was, I know. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, like I said, they've all been fired. Uh, so I feel like I said I feel bad for the the husband of the woman because she's, she's the only woman mentioned here other than the wife that was involved in the threesome. Right, correct. So she's just 
getting it getting it on with all these different dudes, meaning like she's got to have it, which obviously means whatever was happening at home wasn't, wasn't sa- enough. satisfactory. Wasn't enough. And that's Just, all. You, as a man, you're like, man, <laughs> you couldn't just go with one dude. She would have had to go with a five, six different dudes out there. You know what? Actually, that should bring you a little solace because you know what? You couldn't have satisfied her uh, anyway. Very true. You couldn't have said, what, very if, she, true. if she wants it that bad, very you, true. one man, no matter how well endowed you, you ain't going to satisfy that. Yeah, that no, got to have it that bad. She's like, well, you know when I get bored, and you're like, get a Game Boy or something. I don't- <laughs> like that, that is a crazy, wild story. There you go. So that's a little off the record. Yeah, having group sex. I don't know if they mentioned orgies. I think they got to threesome. Yeah. Um, group is, you know, four. You don't get to orgy till you get to five. I didn't see any orgy stuff about there. So yeah. I think all they got to was the threesomes. Is that, was that what that guy, the husband, saying? Uh, no, no, look, but- guys, look, guys, let's tone it down. She just, <laughs> it was only like 17 people, but yeah. not at the same time. I'm just, exactly. I would say they didn't. It wasn't. They didn't get to orgy, so at least he can feel good. At, she didn't right. take part in an orgy. It was just a little threesome. That's, you know, that's not as yep. bad as an orgy. Yeah. You know. I know it. I think a threesome yeah. I think a threesome with another girl, you're like, all right, well, that's at least doing better than the other way. But Why didn't the- she ask me, though? If that's what I'd be yeah. upset about. If I was him, like, hold up, you had a threesome? Okay, you know what? You want to explore? I get it. We're married. Stuff. You get bored. You want to you spice it up. Why didn't you ask me to be a part of the, the threesome that you had? I could have well, reason- got in on that and made that a group thing. Well, just remember this. The reason why they got married, I mean, uh, fired, was because they were on the clock, too. Yeah, no, that's why it was on the job. Yeah, they were yeah. doing it the on stuff the away job. From the job. They didn't care get, about it. They didn't care it about was, it. That was more about They were using company, the guy. company emails and company yeah. phones and, doing yeah. all, and company time. Yeah, yeah, no, I get all that. They don't care about that. I'm talking about the husband. <laughs> I, I feel bad for him. Hey, you know what I mean? It's I, a national scandal. Say? What did Patrick say? You knew who you was married. You think he all did? This did? All this did. He knew He knew she was crazy. He like knew he knew she was crazy and freaky, but he didn't know she was that crazy and that freaky. Yeah, but I like you got to bring it out. And so I was you like, you, you know, she's that. That's why I waited ten years. I'm like, I got to find out if she's crazy, <laughs> that crazy, and that freaky. She's and coming home. Out, my wife is not that crazy. She's not that <laughs> like, freaky. Look, when you know, like when you go to buy like the seventh run of underwear in two weeks because she just keeps not bringing them home. Like, at what point? <laughs> exactly. At yeah. what point do you know? Yeah, she's coming over with the girls going wild party. She got, I mean, you know, look a little happy. Yeah, like, just every day she's like, man, did you know those police officers? <laughs> they must do crazy, because her hair's always messed up. And, and he them. never goes to these parties, I guess, yeah. where they hang out. <laughs> he never he never goes to the parties where they hang out and kick it? Man. I don't think he's invited. Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> that is a great text, but it I can't is. read it. You I won't read, read it. that. Says, yeah. uh, a threesome is not an orgy. No, no, no. An orgy at least has to be five. Group sex starts at four. Threesomes, that's your menage a trois. Do I have to get three. a van? Uh, exactly. <laughs> just saying. I'm not an orgy guy. I'm yep. not. Because <laughs> my biggest issue with group sex is there's no time limit on it. So it just goes on forever. All right, let's go. We'll come back. We'll get into uh, the 5 o'clock hour. We'll talk about head coaching vacancies in the NFL. Uh, also, the Texans head coaching vacancy. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 Horn.